one of the questions not on the ladies' tee that I'll ask you this morning, and you don't have to raise your hand. I just want you to think about it and wrap, wrap your mind around it, and that is, has you ever been, have you ever been on an airplane? I want to adjust the terminology a bit this morning in keeping with the direction we've been going in our messages. And so talk to you about being on the plane. Normally, when we're on the plane, would you not agree that we are essentially in the plane? If I am in the plane, whatever happens to the plane happens to me. If the plane taxis down the runway, so do I. If the plane takes off, so do I. If the plane lands, so do I. Well, that's going to help us understand what Paul talked about as we looked at it last week. We're going to go back and read some of those verses of Scripture that Paul said, essentially, we all began our lives in Adam. We're born into this world in Adam. Thinking of, think of being in Adam as being uh, on a plane or in a plane. What happened to me in Adam? Well, as Paul said, that plane crashed. And everybody on board died. That was the consequences of being an Adam that happened to me the moment Adam sinned. Let's begin reading in Romans chapter 5, verse 18. These verses won't be on the screen, but just to review what Paul said last week. He said, therefore, as one act of condemnation, one, act, one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience many were made sinners, by the one man's obedience will many be made righteous. Now the law came to increase uh, the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, Grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Essentially, he's telling us what happens when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We are taken out of Adam and placed into Christ. Think again of being on or in a plane. If that plane flies, I fly. If that plane goes around the world, I go around the world. I am in that plane, on that plane. Now let's take this picture and look at it deeper, Paul is, is making a point much the same. Upon placing my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I am taken out of Adam and the consequences of his sin and placed into the Lord Jesus Christ and the consequences of his obedience. Connected to Christ, sin no longer reigns, instead grace reigns. Now, this is going to start out really complex and complicated this morning as we move to chapter 6, but it is the essentials of Christianity. It's one of the most important points of Christianity that Paul is, is bringing out to us today. It's something that you need to see. I tell you, if you can grasp this, it might even, even if you've been a Christian for years, grasping this might revolutionize your whole Christian life, grasping the truth that Paul wants to make in Romans chapter 6 today, verses 1 through 3. And this is our text as Paul talks about death to sin. Death to sin. Beginning to read in verse 1 of Romans chapter 6, Paul says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? 
By no means. In your Bible, it may say, God forbid. Uh, or in some translations, it says, what a ghastly thought. Because this is the strongest configuration of a negative in Greek that's possible. It is the strongest negative possible. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So Paul says, he's telling us that I'm in Christ. Whatever happens to Christ happens to me. So this is the great truth of this passage today. It is about being in Christ. It's about our union with Christ. It's about what happens to me because I am in Christ. Now, we established for the last two weeks that what happened to us spiritually because of Adam's sin and at the moment of Adam's sin was absolutely catastrophic and it was automatic. The spiritual infrastructure of the human soul collapsed into ruin in one moment. Also, Paul tells us that the physical infrastructure of the universe was so impacted that according to Romans chapter 8, Paul says that all of creation is subject to corruption or in bondage to corruption. What the human soul was like before that moment, we don't know. And what the world was like and the universe was like before that moment, we don't know. All we know is that everything changed, that because of Adam's sin, all of us were doomed, all of us came under judgment, all of us helpless and hopeless, and all of us became sinners in a way we really don't understand and we don't even like to think about, honestly, at the moment of Adam's sin. But Paul's argument is important here, as we said last week, so hang with it. But Paul tells us in chapter 5 that in spite of Adam's sin and in spite of our own sin, that God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, or yet sinners, Christ died for us. And in chapter 6, he, here in these verses, he begins to unfold all that happens to those who put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the things he says here is you'll see in verse 2, he says... What does he mean when he says, died to sin? Died to sin. When did that happen? And how does it happen? Well, here's the first point of the message this morning. First, we are joined to the Lord Jesus in his death. And I want to tell you that in verse 2, Paul is not talking about your death in so much as he is talking about his death. The consequences of that death are passed on to us. This is not something, uh, uh, something subjective or experimental. It is a grand objective fact. It is true of us just as it was true of us that we sinned in Adam because of our union with Christ. When Christ died to sin, we died to sin. Now, I know, again, this is going to say, he's going to say, what in the world is he talking about? Well, just hold on, just hold on. How are we joined to Christ? Well, Paul says, if you'll notice in those verses, chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, that we are baptized into Christ. And immediately when you read the word baptized, you think of that place up there. But that's not what he's talking about. He is not talking about, in this passage of Scripture, water baptism, 
Water baptism is important to us in the Baptist church because we believe that is the mode of baptism. But he's not talking about water baptism. All you have to do is read the rest of the scripture and you will see it. He says, all of us who were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Now, when do you become a Christian? Do you become a Christian on that side of baptism or on this side of baptism? In other words, do you become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ after you're baptized or before you're baptized? Well, we certainly believe you become a follower of Jesus Christ by faith when you put your faith with him before you ever go through the water. And this is what Paul is talking about. Something that happens to you before the water ever touches your feet or the top of your head or however it might touch you, you are baptized into Christ and into his death. It is not an experience. It is a position. Please understand this. It is a position. Uh, being on the plane is not an, uh, an experience. Now, you might have many experiences on the plane, but being on the plane is first being in a position. And in that position, many things may happen. Depending on what? Well, depending on what happens to the plane. So Paul says here, you were baptized into Christ. You were placed into Christ. Now, why is he telling us this? He's telling us this to explain what he means when he says that we died to sin. Notice, he does not say that we will die. Nor does he say that we are in the process of dying. Nor does he say that we need to die. He said that we died to sin. This is in the aorist tense. It's something accomplished in the past. The, the effects continue into the present. It is an accomplished fact. Now, how did we die? Look at verse 3, the whole of verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now, keep in mind this idea of baptism, and I'm going to explain this to you uh, with a pickle recipe. Okay, I'm going to show you how to make pickles. This is an ancient Greek pickle recipe where the words that we're using today to describe what Paul is talking about are used, happened to be when they found it, were used in the pickle recipe. And so this is how they tell you in, in ancient Greece to make pickles. What you do is you take a cucumber and you take a cucumber and you bapto the cucumber into boiling water. The, word, the Greek word bapto means dip it. You dip it in boiling water. What will you dip it in boiling water for? Well, to cleanse it, to get the, the bacteria off of it, to, you know, you don't want to, they dip it. That was the recipe. Regardless of why you did it, you, you baptoed it. You just, and that's all that word means, is to dip, bapto, not baptize. You bapto, you dip it in boiling water. And then once you dip it in boiling water, you baptizo it. You baptize it. In vinegar, it means you put it in the vinegar and you leave it in the vinegar. And in that environment, that ordinary cucumber is somehow transformed into a pickle. Now that's the picture that we need to see here. Something happens in that transformational environment. You were not baptized in water, oh, you might have been, but that's not what Paul's talking about. He said you were baptized into Christ. And when you were baptized into Christ, you were baptized into his death. In verse 4, look at verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so too we might walk 
in the newness of life. You see that in the verses that follow. Now, these things are true, not by something that happens to us, but by something that the Lord Jesus accomplished. We were baptized into Christ, and so we are placed into Christ, and everything that is true of Christ is true of me. These are facts. These are things that will all be true about me. These are things that are true about me because I am in Christ. I've been plunged into Christ, into the realm of Christ, into the reign of Christ, out of Adam and into Christ. And so if he dies, I die. If he's raised from the dead, I am raised from the dead. If he's seated at the right hand of God, I'm seated at the right hand of God. If he is victorious over sin, I am victorious over sin. If he has eternal life, I have eternal life. Whatever happens to Christ happens to me. Are you in Adam or in Christ? You say, Brother Eddie, I, I don't know where you get this. Let me, just, let me give you Paul's exact statement in a different way. It comes from Galatians 2.20. You probably know this verse by heart. Paul said... I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So first, we are joined to Christ in his death by faith. Second, we are joined to him in his life. Remember, this is a position. It is where you are. You are in Christ. You're joined with Christ. So the consequences of the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ and his death on the cross become yours the moment you put your faith in him. You'll notice further that he said you're buried with Christ. Now, are you buried? Have you ever been buried? No, not practically. That's the whole point. This is not a practical experience he's talking about. He's talking about positionally. Positionally, you were in Adam. But by faith, now positionally, you are in Christ. Dead to sin, buried, it happened to Christ. When I put, put my trust in him, everything that happened to him can happen to me. Verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism and death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Walking in the newness of life is our potential. It is what should be true of us as believers. Why is this so? Look at verse 5, Romans 6, 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Remember, if you're on the plane or in the plane, in a sense, everything that happens to the plane happens to you. You are doing nothing. You are simply on the plane. You are resting in the power of the engines and in the skill of the pilot. So here you see that since you've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be in a resurrection like his. Now I know you think this talks about the far distant future. It certainly includes that. But his point here is that we died to sin so that no longer do we have to live as slaves to sin because we're in Christ. We can potentially walk in the newness of life. And we don't do so in our own strength. We do so through his resurrection power. So Paul prayed 
in the book of Philippians, he said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. What was it that he wanted to know? He wanted the power to live for Christ, the power to live like Christ. And so Paul would tell us in the book of Colossians that it's not just the Christian life is not just about, about, about uh, that you are in Christ. But the tremendous fact is that Christ is in you. He said Christ in you is the hope of glory. Now here's the question that we, everybody needs to ask themselves this morning. Are you walking and living in the newness of life or are you a slave to sin? Make no mistake about it here. He's not saying that a person united to Christ is sinless, but such a person no longer lives under the power of sin. Sin's penalty is broken, but sin's power is also broken. Listen to Paul explain that in verse 6. He says, we know that our old self, the old man, the man that I was in Adam, was crucified, that's past tense, was crucified with him in order that, number one, the body of sin might be brought to nothing, and number two, that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Think with me again about Galatians 2.20 in light of that. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I but Christ liveth in me. I have shed the influence of Adam, and I have a new life, a new man in me, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now what you have here is Paul's explanation of, of, of the potential of this position that we have in Christ. The body of sin brought to nothing. The word literally means rendered inoperative. He's talking about the power of sin in a person's life. That power is broken, not by something that I can do, but by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross and rose again. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I had a man who jogged with me for nine years when I was in Camden, Alabama. Uh, his name was Frank. We were good friends. We jogged together every day, but Frank was lost, and he knew he was lost, and every day I would talk to Frank and witness to Frank and share with him, and he would say with me, he would say, Brother Eddie, he said, I see what you're saying, but he said, I am so under the power of sin that until I can break the power of sin in my life, I would never present myself to the church as a follower of the Lord Jesus. And I would always say, Frank, you're right at the cusp of being a believer. You know that you're a sinner. You know that you're helpless. And you can't break the power of sin in your life. You've proved it over and over and over. You also know that about your own life. Until you come to Christ, that simply will not happen. What needs to happen in a person's life can only happen in Christ and through Christ, and because of Christ. In other words, you're in Adam, or you're in Christ. In Adam, that plane's going to crash. And every time you try to make it do something but crash, it crashes again. In Christ, potentially, you can walk in the newness of life. Not because you have the strength to change your own life, but because of Christ's power and his enabling. Go back to where we started. Now we're just going to look at verse 2. And I'm going to step you through several phrases. Verse 2, 3, 
4, 5, and 6. And listen to what he says in light of what we've been talking about. And then we're going to read verse 7 through 10. He said in verse 2, we who died to sin. In verse 3, we were baptized into his death. In verse 4, we were buried with him by baptism into death. In verse 5, we have been united with him in a death like his. In verse 6, our old self was crucified. How much plainer can he make it? Then look at verse 7. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Now, what does this mean for you, and what does this mean for me? Final question. We go back to the cucumber. The cucumber who says, I want to be a pickle. It is the great dream and desire of my heart to be a pickle. And one day, by my own determination, I'm going to make myself a pickle. Maybe he says that while he's still in the field before he's ever picked. Before Brother Ed goes out there and pulls the cucumber, the cucumber says, I'm going to be a pickle one day. Can that pickle, by its own power or by its own determination, ever, ever become, I mean, that cucumber ever become a pickle? No, it can't become a pickle unless somebody takes it and plunges it into the transformational environment of some vinegar and whatever process that takes place, we'll have to talk to Van about the physics and the chemistry of that transformational process in the vinegar that takes that ordinary cucumber and makes it into something that even a child likes, a pickle. It transforms it. Immersed into Christ, we are immersed into the blessings of his death and the blessings of his life. What has been achieved by his death can become ours, what has been achieved by his life has become ours in that transfer, transformational relationship. We are able to relate to God in a way that we were never able to relate to him before. Before that moment, Paul says, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Outside of Christ, we are dead to God and alive to sin, but having received Christ as our Savior, we are dead to sin and alive to God. The eyes of our heart, once blind to his presence, now see the ears of our spirit, once deaf to his voice, now hear the understanding of our heart, once closed to the scriptures, is now open. We don't live like we once lived. Now, Paul's question originally, all these verses go back to that original question he asked in verse 2. How can we, who died to sin, still live in it. You know, a cucumber can become a pickle, but unless I'm wrong, a pickle can never again become a cucumber. It can't go back and be what it was before because it's transformed. And that's what Paul says about a believer. And if you are what you were, if a cucumber is still a cucumber, when it comes out of the jar, 
then it wasn't plunged in or plugged into the right stuff. And if your life has never been changed, if you're the still, still, still the same old person you were, maybe you need to consider whether you truly have trusted Christ. Because when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, what Paul says is that you are baptized into Christ. You are baptized into his death. And everything that is true of Christ is true of you. You are in Christ. If that plane takes off, I take off. If that plane goes around the world, I go around the world. If that plane makes it to heaven, you know where I'm going to be? Not because I have the power in my own wings to flap and get myself there, but because I'm trusting in Christ and his transformational power to change me and to get me from where I am to where he wants me to be. He who began a good work in you, Paul said, he who began a good work in you will continue to perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me?